is Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. Colorado off the heels of a 35-32 win against the Stanford Cardinal. And unfortunately, doesn't look like we're going to be playing any football this upcoming week. I'm Tyler Walgie. To my right, Jared All. Jared, how are we doing today? Just when you were feeling great about everything, the direction everything's going, then they got to go slap this on us and cancel this game. Yeah, it's so disappointing <sighs> to see this happening. Obviously, the chances of this happening, the likelihood, given it's a COVID year, are increased. But now that it did happen, it's such a kick in the gut for this to actually come through. And it's like, uh, man, what am I going to do this weekend? I was, uh, I was sour, to say the least, when I first heard about it. Uh, Ryan Smith, our producer, is out today, so... Just the two of us get the show done. Just the two of us. So no no pressure, Tyler, but it's, it all falls on your lap. I take on no extra responsibilities yeah. when Ryan's not around. It all falls on Tyler. So yeah, if right. anything is screwed up, y'all know how to reach him. I'm it's, used to it. it what, what, what's, your, what's your Twitter handle here? At Tyler Walgie. Okay, yeah, so blow there. him up, folks. <laughs> no, but uh, what we're going to do on today's show, break down the CU Stanford game, likes, dislikes from that game, and then maybe look at some different situations for the week coming up. Now, we are recording at 3.30 Mountain Time on Tuesday. So if anything happens after this time, then it's then it's out of our hands. Not our responsibility. But up until now, just a couple things in terms of speculation we're going to look at and who see you might get this upcoming weekend, if anybody. Right now, the odds are that Colorado's not going to play this weekend. But before we get into that, Recapping the 35-32 win, Colorado on their first road trip of the season goes to Stanford, and uh, it was close at the end. Now, we'll talk about stats, things like that, but I want to start off with the elephant in the room, really across every, uh, I think, most Colorado football fans' minds right now, is CU's defense getting into a trap of stopping too early, giving up late points, letting the opponent come back in the game. This game, it was uh, a 16-7 fourth quarter that allowed Stanford to come back and make it a three-point game. So what do you think about that? Cause for concern or not? Yeah, a little bit. And I'm even going to take it beyond just the defense. And to me, this is a mental approach from the team. They're taking their foot off the gas. I think they, they get that, that early lead. That's two weeks in a row that they have done that. And, and you see a flat team all of a sudden come out. It's it's really hard to get going, against one, going again once you take that foot off the pedal. So I am concerned. I want to see a coaching staff that seems so well-prepared, a team that seems so well-prepared. I want to see them finish a game. And so it is disappointing to see that in back-to-back weeks. But hey, a win's a win. You have to be happy about the way, again, at the very end of the game, they put the clamps down. They did what they needed to do to get the win. But it is disappointing to see them week after week doing that. Well, I think that's what's important is see you still doing what they need to be 2-0 and in the season. And if this trend continues of letting teams back in, it's just going to hurt CU eventually because... It's sports. Weird things happen. Fumbles happen occasionally. Turnovers are going to happen, whatever it is. And you want to give yourself enough leeway to where that's not game changing. Again, going into the fourth quarter of this game, it was 28 to 16. It seemed like Colorado had, you know, not necessarily this thing wrapped up, but you keep playing good football, you stay aggressive, and it should take care of business. But Stanford scored as many points in the fourth quarter as they did in the first three combined. And there are certain reasons for that, right? I mean, there's whether it's uh, you know a short drive, you give up a punt, whatever it may be, it's just a little bit unsettling because we're only through two games. I'm not going to start you know pushing the panic button, but through the first two games, this is so far a habit. 
Now, that's not going to fly when you play USC in a couple weeks. And that's when USC I, came back in their first couple wins. You know, they're used to this spot. That's actually one of the things I'm most disappointed about this Arizona State game being canceled because, you know, I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but I, I think that the two teams that the Buffs have played so far might be two of the worst teams in the Pac-12. Yeah. And I just I just want to be flat out and honest and say that this may be two of the easier opponents that the Buffs are going to play all year. Arizona State, USC, they're not that. And, I, and that's why I was really intrigued and excited to play Arizona State this week because it, it brought on a new challenge. It brought on a team that a lot of people picked as the dark horse to take the Pac-12. And so uh, not just the South, but the Pac-12 altogether. And so it was an opportunity for the Buffs to to truly prove themselves and where they actually rank within the Pac-12. And so I think right now there's this false sense of, hey, the Buffs are 2-0. and In fact, they're one of the few teams in the Pac-12 right now 2-0. and So they're right at the top of the rankings. But what does that truly mean when you're, when you're maybe playing the lesser caliber team? So that is something that I am a little disappointed to see, again, not being able to play Arizona State. But the Buffs have got to figure this out. And, I, and again, I think it goes back to this coaching staff and, and how they're approaching the second half of these games. I think we're going into a prevent defense, a prevent mode too early. You're giving up a lot of yardage, a lot of plays. I mean, uh, Davis Mills, 327 yards, 56 attempts. I get that, but man, 327 yards. I, when was the last time a, a Stanford quarterback went over 300 yards? Yeah, that, so, was, that was crazy to see. I mean, so many attempts. They just started dropping back and throwing the football all over the field, it seems like. Uh, yeah, when Sam Neuer has 24 attempts and David Mills has 56 that's crazy. That's got to be up there in the records for, for Stanford. <laughs> it does. And, 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 and in a sense, that is a good thing because what did we talk about last week going into this game was shut down the run, make them beat you with the pass. You did that. Now what's concerning is they almost beat you with the pass. Yeah, I mean, look, Stanford fell into the game plan Colorado wanted. They ended up passing to come back late, but I don't think it was so much Stanford. If you throw the ball 56 times, and you know, you're going to put some points up ideally unless you can't do anything offensively. But I don't know if this necessarily was Colorado going prevent defense, all that. And I think you were more onto it, at least the way I saw it, when you talked about, you know, see you not playing aggressively the whole team. And I saw that from play calling offensively, right? It was, uh, you know, a couple drives where they would rather run it, milk some clock and punt the ball instead of being aggressive and going for that for that uh, first down. So little things like that add up in the game. And again, you're playing with fire when you do this over and over. Now, I do want to say, that in both of the games to start the season, the 48-42 win against UCLA and the 35-32 win against Stanford, Colorado was clearly the better team in both matchups. Right? No you look doubt. at the stats, you look at the yards per play, what happened through the game. And so I take this two different ways. My Colorado fan in me says, we don't want to keep playing with fire. These games are too close. Eventually it's going to come back and bite you. But the other part of me, you know, the sports betting part of me, <laughs> you know, it says... There's still value on CU. Now, we're not going to make this a sports betting segment, but it goes hand in hand that when you look in sports betting on teams with value or you look at simply teams who aren't getting enough credit across the country, it looks like CU does right now. What I mean by that is when Colorado has won two games by a combined, what, nine points, that people who don't pay attention to Pac-12 football or specifically Colorado football, they can easily say, yeah, CU's 2-0, but they've won by a combined nine points. They beat UCLA and Stanford, and CU's still flying under the radar. So if Colorado wins those games by as much as they should have, I think they're on a lot more people's radar right now across the country. That could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, but you know, when CU plays USC here in uh, a couple weeks on the 28th, there's going to be a lot of questions answered, and that's going to be Colorado's real first opportunity on a national stage to say, no, we are as good as 
and a lot of these other better teams in the Pac-12. We deserve to be in the conversation for winning the Pac-12. And so, you know, it's just interesting because Colorado right now, I think a little bit underrated in the national perspective because these games have been so close, but we have more of a comfort knowing it should not have ever been that close to begin with. The Buffs are a better team than what these scores have shown. Yeah. And, and that's why, again, I, I couldn't agree more with you in saying that these Buffs teams, man, they should have won these games. I and mean, we should be talking about two blowout victories. Right. And, and and the fact that they left them back in the game, I think it, it also puts you in a spot where now this team stays hungry. And I don't I don't say you want to put yourself in this spot, but team stays hungry. They believe they can be better than this. They still have something to prove to Buffs fans and to people around the country. Sam Neuer, 15-24, 255 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. I'm I'm thrilled with what I've seen so far from Neuer, the destroyer. He's in control. Another game where you just you really saw very few bad decisions. Exactly. Uh, and that's and my favorite thing about him is his decision-making. I mean, he's got it going, obviously, physically. He's an athlete. He's quick. He makes good passes. But upstairs, his, his mind, that's what I love the most about him. Yeah, just I, I I'm just flashing back to the to the, the the game, the broadcast team again, where they just kept pointing out him being a safety. I'm like, did you guys not do this last week? Were they so bad? Oh, for those for those who watched, which is probably everybody, it was the same ESPN crew that we were complaining about last weekend. I the moment I heard their voices, I'm going, no, like this is gonna be such a pain again. Well, and and and. Again, they, they did this game last week, but it's like they knew nothing about the Buffs team. I mean, they kept saying how Neuer has spent his, the majority of his career at safety. It's like, <laughs> no, you idiots. He spent like six weeks at safety last year right. to help out the team. He has spent his entire career at quarterback. His entire life, he's played quarterback. This is not a safety that the Buffs <laughs> plugged in at quarterback. You know, I, I saw Joel Clad on Twitter was was kind of you know on them about that. It was like, pretty good for a safety, huh? You know? <laughs> it's so bad. And uh, I think her name is Beth Mullins, uh, Beth Mowins, Beth Mowins. Beth Mowins. Yeah. Uh, if we ever get Beth Mowins again, and we were upgraded I, to I ESPN, promise. man, I thought Dude, we were above the D team. So bad. And I, I was actually looking because I typed in Beth Mowins on Twitter. People have been complaining about her for the last uh, six years. You know, and it is a shame because it's hard. It's it's a tough industry for women to crack into. You right. just you don't see too many, and so no, it, any, it is a shame. It has nothing to do with her being a woman. If anything, I want her to succeed more because yes. there should be more women doing this. I like the diversity. I like getting different people involved there. But when you when you actually make the game worse, it's like a referee or an offensive lineman. When you never hear about a referee, they did a good job that game, right? I mean. Short of, you know, some of these famous announcers, you know, that short of like Doc Emmerich in the NFL or uh, the old uh, L.A. Dodgers uh, play-by-play guy who just retired. Uh, You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, shoot. What is his name? We can get it real quick. Let's see here. I I can't believe I'm... Uh, uh, Vin Scully. There it is. Vin Scully. Short of those type of people, when you don't leave the game talking actively about the announcers, that's usually a good thing. She and her crew have ruined these last couple. Not ruined because it's CU football. You can't ruin CU football, but they've brought it down a notch. They've made it not as interesting to watch. And you know, like I've said now for a couple of years, what my favorite thing to do is sync up 850 KOA with the with the telecast. But because I cut the cord and I don't have actual Comcast anymore, I can't do that. I'm honestly, Jared, I'm thinking about getting Comcast reinstalled. I'm, I'm thinking about fusing the cord back together. So I can listen to A50 during my CU games. You, you just got to scan the system a little bit. Don't you get like a free, you know, or, or a cheap 
period you get like three months for for low low now you're shaking your head they, for, they just for, they just no. smack you with it for huh? what for comcast yeah comcast yeah. you know so you get no. three months of comcast cheap you cut the cord again then you get three months <laughs> of direct tv cheap and, and frankly with a shortened season you probably only need one of the other i don't and know then, if they're having any current uh deals like you that might have missed on. that the early season promotions that's that's when they they hook you in right at the beginning <laughs> of the football season it was so bad though and so i hope we don't get that crew again Look, I'm sure she's a very nice, nice uh, person, but I don't. I would say this for anybody doing that bad of a job at calling a football game. And I think I know something about bad announcing. I called high school football games for years, like five years, you know. And I would go from little old high school in Northern Colorado to little high school, a bunch of two A schools, you know, where. You know the the size of the town is 500 people, and and you know it's it, it was small football. But I had never worked with someone that bad. I mean, and what what I honestly think it is is I'm sure that she's better than what we heard. It sounded to me like they were very unprepared. You know, the first week they had Colorado, they were calling Sam Neuer, Dan Neuer. They were calling Darian Rakestraw, Darian Rakeshaw. It's like these take it takes five minutes going over a roster pregame to understand the quarterback's name. Like to me, it seemed like they didn't care. They may have not been making as much money. Um, that's just what it came across to me. It seemed like they were so crucially underprepared, and it came across in the uh, in the broadcast. And you know, see or uh, see you. Uh, ESPN recently laid off like hundreds of employees. Maybe that has something to do with it too. Uh, you know, you're probably onto something there. I know ESPN's been losing good good employees both from the you know the newsroom and the broadcast side year after year. I think they're they're a big corporate. I mean, shoot, they're they're partnered with Disney. Well, I don't and I don't watch ABC. Uh, I don't watch ESPN anymore. No, I don't either. It's, I used it's to garbage. watch it all the time. I used to watch. Uh, their afternoon shows. I, I could watch it for five or six hours straight yeah, and, and, and topic the same topics over and over again, yep. but you had great people that you listened to talk about. Now, it, yeah, it's a bunch of guys that just don't, yeah, it, it just doesn't fit the bill for me. No, ESPN is fading quickly. So I, I promise, guys, we are here to talk CU football today. <laughs> I, I know we got on, off on a little tangent uh, here. Hopefully, but. before we get a better team. <laughs> uh, let's get back to the buffs. As I said, Sam Neuer, 255 through the air. He was also the second leading rusher, eight carries for 36 yards. Two touchdowns. Now you may be saying, wait, second leading rusher at 36 yards. Yeah, Jarek Broussard had another monster game. Jarek Broussard, the sophomore for Colorado, 27 carries, 121 on the ground. Didn't get in the end zone, but uh, I mean, how impressive is he, man? He looks so good. Yeah, and they were a little more strategic with him in this game. They In the first half, you didn't see a ton of Jarek Broussard out there. You actually saw a uh, uh, Shad Clayton, freshman running back. He had a siding in there. Uh, Jaron Mangum got eight carries on the game, but towards that second half, they kept him fresh. They were ready for him, and Jarek Broussard was a big part in putting away that game. Yeah, he was. That's I think what you need to do is not tire him out in the first. We saw that for years with Lavisca Chenault. Is when you ask one guy to carry such a workload, it's gonna end up getting you hurt or fatigued or both. And I think that uh, uh, this this staff has done a really good job handling Jarek Broussard and his minutes. One question that we had last week is Joe Davis going to get in there? Or is Jaron Mangum for the backup role? Even though Joe Davis had a bit of a better statistical game one, no carries this game. And as you mentioned, uh, Ashad Clayton got one. Dimitri Stanley got one small yard uh, or one small rush. But mainly in terms of running backs, it was Broussard. And then Mangum is the clear number two right now. So any issues with that? Uh, no. And again, we did talk about last week with Mangum. And, and he has not really flashed. But I think he's a guy that is uh, a little bit more well-rounded. I think they, they, I, I believe they like him well 
with his pass blocking and different things like that. So he brings some different elements to the game. So no, I have no you know real specific issue with them going one way or the other. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust the coach's judgment on that. And uh, Alex Fontenot, I mean. No update from him, right? They're still keeping us in the dark. Yeah, it, it's, it's an injury. I mean, that's what we know. It's odd, and and it's 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 something that when it, if it's an injury, I, I can't figure out why they're keeping it so quiet. Yeah. Um, unless there's something more to it, or maybe it's it's something that's a little bit more of a question as to for how how long he will be out. Uh, but but something's weird. Something's going on weird there. It, it came on out of nowhere uh, before the season, you know, before the season started and nothing has been updated since then. He hasn't I'm on his personal Twitter right now. He hasn't tweeted anything since uh, October 12th. It was a retweet a retweet from CU Football. So I mean, he's been quiet on social media and again, the way they phrased it on buffzone.com when they broke this was that uh, he's going to miss uh, a big part of the season with an undisclosed injury. And yeah, no new news there. But until then, until we get him back, it's going to be the uh, Broussard and Mangum show in the backfield. In terms of receiving, Dimitri Stanley really stood out this game. Eight, uh, six catches, 126 yards and one touchdown. Levante Chenault, though, three catches. Uh, Brendan Rice, uh, son of Jerry Rice, with uh, two catches and a touchdown. How did I miss that that was Jerry Rice's son when we were recruiting him? I did not realize right, that. Right. I never put that connection together. So I think he'll do okay for himself. <laughs> I did too. And uh, I was reading an article today on, uh, I think it was cbuffs.com, not sure exactly, but it was pointing out the fact that everyone is kind of behind Brendan Rice to create his own path. You know, it's so difficult when your dad is that famous. And a lot of people look at Jerry Rice as the single greatest receiver of all time. So Brendan Rice certainly has some big shoes to fill, but he's getting started nice. I mean, he looked good out there. You know, he's young. He he, he runs good routes. And I'm excited to see, you know, exactly what he can do. Uh, let's see. He is a, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a true freshman, man. And so he's getting some some yeah. Some good he looks. had that big touchdown catch in that game. I, th- I think that was a big moment for him to get That's out huge. there as a freshman. But Dimitri Stanley, man, let's talk for him, about him for a minute. Right. He is a beast. That's a guy I think we're going to see lining up. On Sundays here, very very oh, soon, without a doubt, he's got to be. And and once Katie Nixon, that's the thing is Colorado is arguably missing their two best offensive players, at least going into the season. Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, you would have asked me, I would have told you that's who I expected to be their top performers is Alex Fontenot and Katie Nixon. No doubt. I mean, Jarek Broussard would probably have something to say about that now, and Alex Fontenot is probably going to be splitting carries when he comes back. But those are two monster players on this CU offense. I mean, they are crucial to long-term success. So just imagine how good this team is going to be if they can stay healthy, bring those two guys back for this late-season push. And that's why these games are so important, putting yourself in a position for the end of the year. And unlike Fontenot, it does sound like Katie Nixon was real close to playing in that game. They kind of held him out more for cautionary reasons than anything. But I do expect, especially if we do end up with an extra week off, I expect he'll be suiting up the next time the bus play. On defense, Carson Wells getting the lone sack. He had uh, six tackles. But Nate Landman, man, was that guy all over the place. 14 tackles. Again, Nate Landman leading the team with 14 total tackles. Next best player, Carson Wells, with uh, the six we but talked about. But for Nate so. Landman, that's just like an oh. average game. I mean, that's not even anything special. 14 tackles, 11 <laughs> solo, one for a loss. It doesn't eh, just su- another game. Doesn't surprise me at all. I love to see him involved, and I like to see him making those form tackles, not leading with the helmet anymore. We've, we, we've solved that problem, but... 
that makes me so confident that when you play a team like Stanford, we talked about this last week, you're going to have to stop the run, be physical in the box. Nate Landman stood up, took that upon himself, and made some very crucial tackles. It wasn't just that he led the team with 14 total tackles. It's that he made them in in, in, in good times. You know, and when, they, when CU needed a play, Landman was, uh, Landman was there to make it on defense. And this Buffs defense gave up just 70 yards rushing to the Stanford offense, and Nate Landman was a big part of that. I know that front four really, really held well, too, but Nate Landman, like you said, all over the field, but man, I'll tell you what, I am really impressed so far on what I've seen from Carson Wells. No and, kidding. And, and yeah. he's somebody that we kind of talked about wanting to see some some pass rushing from him. He did get the sack on the game, but his coverage skills, I yeah. have been so impressed with. And this is another guy that as I'm watching, I'm going, man, he really looks like an NFL linebacker. He looks like a guy that can do a lot of different things for you. And I think his him showing that ability and coverage, I think is going to really, really open up teams' eyes to him. And he's just he's everywhere. He's he's setting the edge in the running game. He's getting after the quarterback. And he has now had made great plays in two different weeks at, at, in coverage. Well, he's doing himself a favor. I mean, he knows those NFL scouts are watching and he's always putting himself in a good spot. And you're right, man. The versatility. He can rush. He can stop the run. He can drop back. And I'd say that to echo you, that's probably the one thing I'm the most impressed with is his ability to drop back and defend. He's fooling these quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're not expecting it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really impressed with him. He had another great game. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, the freshman, making a couple plays as well. Akil Jones. I love Akil Jones. I don't know if there's if there's one player who uh, I think can deliver the, the, the pain on defense. It's got to be Akil Jones. There, there right? was one or two plays in particular I can remember, and that running back just hit a brick wall, <laughs> man. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Akil Jones playing well. And then Isaiah Lewis is really the one guy who we – weren't talking too much about to start the season simply because of his place on the on the depth chart but look I mean he's getting in there at this point I think it's clear to everybody you don't just look at the depth chart and that's who's going to get minutes uh he's a big part of this defense you know defending the pass he's athletic he's smart out there and I think Isaiah Lewis look we talk about Darian Rakestraw we talk about uh, a lot of these other back uh, uh defensive backs but Isaiah Lewis is someone to me who stands out and we should bring up what a good job he's done so far yeah, and, and, and Terrence Langs, one other person I want to point out, and he really didn't hit the stat sheet a ton. Just right. just two tackles, uh, both tackles for loss, but he created a lot of the mess that other people were cleaning up, created a lot of the situations. I mean, he was disruptive in this game. So I do want to point out Terrence Lang, even though he didn't really hit the stat sheet a ton. Well, there's a lot of those guys. Terrence Lang, certainly, he had a lot of those big uh, third down plays, the, those sort of ones that sort of pop off on TV, maybe don't show up a lot on the stat sheet, but a lot of those guys in the trenches did it did a great job on defense terrence lang jalen sammy mustafa johnson i mean again just a, a good overall game from the buffs you'd like to see them tighten things up in the second half and really if if colorado is going to be giving points up i would probably prefer the first half points the second half points because i'm not going to push the panic button because look colorado only got outscored by stanford by two points in the second half but you know I think that more of it is finishing, being aggressive, and less of it is the actual game plan going in and making the halftime adjustments. I'm not so concerned with uh, Carl Durrell making those adjustments or anything like that. So is, if CU can find a way to tighten up that fourth quarter, I mean, they're looking at a very, very good, comfortable win here. It wasn't comfortable, but I'm okay with it. Colorado 2-0. And for better or for worse, they may have a couple of weeks to work some of these kinks out. So let's talk about that. Uh, the game canceled this upcoming weekend uh, because Arizona State couldn't get their act together. And uh, Colorado is paying the price for it. Now, the thing I don't like about this is the Pac-12 rules, per Pac-12 rules, it is a no contest. It's not a forfeit. And if you ask me, 
Colorado's done everything right here. They've followed protocol. No one's gotten sick. They've done exactly what they've been asked to do. Uh, Coach Durrell has gone above and beyond, taking the team to a hotel, so on and so forth. And because Arizona State can't get their stuff together, now it's just a no contest. It's a no game. And I, I hate that. You know, I, I wanted to play Arizona State and, and, and all that stuff. But to me, that's the one thing. It's like if Colorado's doing everything right, this only hurts CU here because – they get nothing shown up on the on the win uh, columns. Well, so. especially with the Pac-12 getting such a late start. I mean, they're already against the the eight ball to to try to even get into the, to the playoff to any any of these scenarios. And and whether or not people out there think Colorado has a chance to do it right now, they're right at the top of the Pac-12, and they've they've looked as good as anyone within the Pac-12. And so, an undefeated Pac-12 team with you know seven wins may, may have a way in into that. You know, yeah, but not six wins. A six win? I mean, gosh. It's that's pretty impossible. That's that's half, almost half of what these these other teams are going to be getting, 10-11 games. Well, and let's face it, Colorado's already operating from behind the eight ball. I mean, even if CU went undefeated, the way this whole season's set up and you don't get a full schedule, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it were Alabama, Ohio State, maybe a Clemson and Notre Dame. and then That's the, what the, I'm thinking right now, yeah, unless and, and, one of them really slips up. Right, and the Pac-12 gets left out entirely. Even so, with Clemson having a loss already. Exactly, and that scares me. And so Colorado already operating from behind the eight ball to get this one uh, canceled is so it, it hurts, man. It hurts. And like you said, for the Buffs to have done everything right, I think Carl Durrell more than any coach and any organization that I've heard about their process so far, he has done as well or better than anybody else in protecting his players, keeping his kids safe and focused on the, the task at hand. And to see, uh, you know what? I, I don't. I don't want to. You know calling out out anything specific. I don't know what's going on in Arizona State. I don't know what's going on in Tempe down there. But to to have only you know to have more than half of your scholarship players it's crazy uh, uh, unavailable to play and it's spiking uh, know, something's it's going spiking on in there. arizona it's spiking in colorado but you see the difference is one coach is handling things and carl durrell and one coach isn't in herm edwards and i think herm edwards is a great coach but you've got to have a, a pulse in your team you got to be able to control your team during these situations well, maybe and, he's the one leading them out at the parties i don't know man. if you heard he did he did contract the old covid himself I so. know, maybe he's the one giving it to him but uh it, it just made me so upset you know what he was af- he was afraid of playing the buffs that, that's what it was it's gotta be he man. didn't want to looks too good Good. He didn't I, want to be embarrassed. I was distraught, though. I was so upset. I mean, there's nothing I love more than putting on CU football. And it's been weird, actually. I think I figured out why the first week was so weird. You know, this last game wasn't as strange because they were on the road. They were in their white jerseys. That's when we always watch them on TV. I can't remember the last time I watched CU play a home game in their home jerseys. That's why week one was so strange. I'm going, this is not right. This it's going to get so... tougher every week, too, yes, as you yes. see them. But but I'm getting a little bit used to it. I'm getting, it's like, fine, we'll watch CU on TV. And then this news came out, and I was upset, man. I was devastated. I was pissed. I was angry. I was upset. I want to watch my buffs play. But there are still a couple situations left. Now, I would be surprised if you know, they announce a game on Wednesday or Thursday. That, to me, seems like a very late announcement. But there has been a precedent set in the Pac-12 that if another Pac-12 school cancels or opens their schedule up, then you can pair those two teams together and play. So maybe there's some uh, situations And there is one specific scenario that I can see, and I want to be very, very clear to everybody out there. This is pure speculation. We are not getting this report from anyone that this is a possibility or anything like that. But there was two games canceled last week because of two teams with COVID issues, one of which was Arizona State. They've already canceled their game for this week, obviously. The other one was Utah. Utah. Utah plays USC this week, okay? That's week 12. Next week, the week 13... It is scheduled to be Colorado versus USC and Utah 
versus Arizona State. Oh, interesting. So what if you create a scenario, Utah ends up not being able to play again this week, it would be a very, very easy scenario. Bump up that game, CU-USC, to this weekend, and then the following weekend, you the bus would get a chance to potentially still play Arizona State. USC plays Utah. The only teams in that scenario that are punished are the ones that are having the COVID issues. Everyone else still gets to play their games. I like that for several reasons. I like that because it would give Colorado more games. You need more games in this type of a season, but I don't like that because USC is our biggest matchup of the year. And you want to prepare for it. You want to be ready for I, I it. I would almost, as weird as it sounds, I'm going to be devastated if Colorado doesn't play this weekend, but I would almost have that week and a half, sort of like a pseudo bye week to get ready for USC. So, you know, there's goods, there's positives and negatives about that. I want Colorado to play. But, uh, I'm just afraid the Buffs are going to lose the momentum if they get that week and yeah, a half off. Yeah. I mean, are you going to see the same energy, the same drive out of the Buffs that you saw coming into the season? Possibly. I'm not sure if that's going to be an issue. I trust Carl Durrell to get this team ready and everything like that, but you're right. I mean, there is a certain element of not playing in a week where you want to keep that going. Sometimes bye weeks can help a team, but generally, after two games in a college football season, you don't get that bye week. You get to ride that momentum, establish more of a team identity, and Colorado likely will not get the chance to do that. So I like that, though. Can I throw out one more scenario? Yeah, and, absolutely. And I kept Tyler in the dark on this one. I so. know where you're going here. You do? I do. Give it to me. Colorado State. No, actually oh. not where I'm going oh, okay. with this, okay? There is a, a team in the Big Ten that has been struggling to, uh, you know, with the COVID issues as well. That's a team in Maryland. Okay, Maryland has really struggled. I think they missed last game. They might have missed two weeks in a row now. Guess who Maryland plays this week? Who? Our old friend Midnight Mel and the uh. <laughs> Michigan State Spartans. So what oh, happens wow. if old Maryland can't oh, field the team? <laughs> Can we make that happen? Can we get the buffs? I would love going against more. Michigan State. I don't care. We'll travel to East Lansing. I don't care. Put me wherever, anywhere, anytime. Let's play that game. I would love nothing more than to beat the snot out of Mel Tucker. How and fantastic that would State be! Out. They got they got their oh, their. My their God. They got rocked again last week after one fluke win against Michigan. They're now one and two with a loss against Rutgers. And let's see who else did they play and, and, and get beat against here. Let's take a look at their schedule. It was bad last week too. Indiana beat them 24 to nothing last weekend. Oh, that felt so good to see that. It really did. It really did. So uh, being clear here though, the Pac-12 going into the season mandated only conference games. They would have to allow the buffs to even pursue a game outside of the conference. That's what makes it so tough. And it and is. so far they have not relented from that, although Rick George has approached the Pac-12 asking permission to seek a game outside of the Pac-12. Yeah, I'm not sure if, if they're going to allow that to happen. I mean, the Pac-12 is so strict with their rules that don't make any sense. It's like... I just don't see that happening. I would love for it to happen, but I don't. I don't see the Pac-12 budging here. They made those rules for a reason, and I think the Pac-12 honestly is the least willing conference to break rules because the Pac-12 is more like, look, we have our rules. We don't want anyone to get sick. That's the end of it. Like that's how I feel like they're going to handle it. If this happened in the SEC or the Big Ten, you feel like there may be more shifting around to, to get games scheduled. But unfortunately. To me, I feel like Larry Scott's going to say, yeah, well, we're doing what we can. It's it's a state guideline issue. It's not just us. Right? He's going to blame He loves he bo- blaming everyone else. Yeah, He's a good it's at never his fingers. fault, ever. All right, so here's a situation you didn't mention. Uh, Colorado State and UNLV canceled for this weekend. Oh, is that right? See, I didn't know that. Yeah, so CSU and UNLV game was canceled. So how easy would that be if logistics yeah. is an issue? It's a 
couple hours of a drive. Yeah, I mean, there's no traveling involved. There's no, no I, I, honestly, I love that idea. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. So you would play, you, so you would play uh, CSU and uh, get a chance to beat them up this year. The rivalry could be renewed. It could be a game for both teams. And Colorado State's already had a, a couple games canceled this season. So I think that, to me, is a no-brainer. It makes a lot of sense as long as the pac 12s willing to break those rules or bend those rules, which I don't see happening. Yeah, and, there, and a couple of different scenarios could come up. I know that I've heard of a couple of other teams that are off right now. Uh, BYU is a team that is not playing this week. That's oh, a, stop That's it. a top-ten <laughs> team right there. And to your point a little earlier, I'm not so sure that we want want to see yeah. uh, <laughs> the buffs on short notice have to play a top 10 team that, exactly. might, that might not go so well but hey that's a team that's in looked, the area it looked good look, too look at that quarterback man he, he looks legit and zach wilson yeah yeah We'll see what comes of it. So, you know, hopefully, guys, hopefully when you hear this, uh, there's hopefully news coming out. I'm trying to remain optimistic. I think there was a reason why they canceled this game so early. I think they were hoping to get something figured out, but a lot of things have to fall in place. And and first and foremost, I don't want to root for another Pac-12 game to get canceled, but that's really what probably is going to have to happen. But another but another game have to get canceled in order to fit it in. At what point is it too late to schedule again? They made that change on Friday with you, you oh uh, UCLA God. and Cal last And they week. played Sunday morning, right? And, so and they, and they did home. move it to Sunday yeah. morning. Now, I mean, is that because they're in state that makes it easier? I mean, if, if, if Colorado's got to play like a USC or somebody from the north, could you do that on such short notice and get everything worked out? I, I don't know. I agree with you. I think if you don't see something come through probably Wednesday, I I start to lose my optimism. I'm starting to think that's probably not going to happen this week. And just to do everyone uh, the favor of checking one more time, I just looked and nothing new. We are wrapping this thing up at 4 o'clock Mountain Time. I was hoping we were going to get to drop some live news on this show. (laughs) All right, some breaking news. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's not the case. So, well, that does it with uh, this week's podcast. I know that. you know, we'll we'll be back in a week and we'll break down uh, this uh, you know this upcoming game against USC. But stay tuned to our uh, Twitter account at Buffs Podcast and give us a follow on Facebook as well, Buffs Nation Podcast. Let's hope to see you plays this weekend. But if not, we'll get ready for USC in a couple weeks. And we'll talk to you then.